This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to conception, pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. We raise the volume on these topics in hopes that someday everyone will have the support and information that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. For Maternal Mental Health Month in May, we have a special project going on, and we'd like to hear your voice. We'd like to hear what you want to say to moms and families and partners about what you wish you would have known, the kind of support you would like to give them, and hopeful messages. If you would like to participate, I'm going to leave the contribution line open for another week until Monday, April 23rd. Please look in our show notes for a link on how to do this, or you can go to the Facebook page where I have instructions as well. I just think it's so important that we get to hear as many people's voices as possible in raising awareness and giving support to perinatal families. In this episode of Mom and Mine, we are talking with Dr. Alyssa Berlin. She's a clinical psychologist specializing in pregnancy, postpartum, and parenting, a labor and support doula, and the creator of the Afterbirth Plan Workshop, a program that prepares couples for what to expect after a baby is born and how to prepare for a physically and emotionally healthy postpartum transition for the baby, for each partner, and the evolving relationship. Dr. Berlin is on the board of advisors for the International Cesarean Awareness Network, ICANN, and is a faculty member of Maternal Mental Health Now Training Institute. She conducts a multitude of live pregnancy and parenting workshops throughout Southern California and globally via Skype. You can read her blog on the Huffington Post where she contributes to PBS's This Emotional Life Project. She's a certified Gottman educator and a member of the American Psychological Association. Dr. Alyssa and her husband, prenatal chiropractor Dr. Elliot Berlin, live in Los Angeles and are the proud parents of four amazing children. In our episode today, we're going to be talking about why it's important to consider planning and preparing for life after the baby comes. It's one of those things that you realize after a baby comes that you could have really had some information beforehand to help you into the transition to parenthood. So we're going to talk about how you can get that information and why it's helpful for you. So let's welcome Dr. Berlin. Welcome, Dr. Berlin. Thanks so much for being with us. 
Dr. Kat, how are you? It's a pleasure. Oh, thank you. I'm doing really well, and I'm excited to talk with you. We've been trying to get together on this for a little while to talk about your awesome work with the afterbirth plan. So I'm excited to share with the listeners what you've been working on, and we can help them. You're so sweet. Oh, thanks. So go ahead and let us know a bit about your work. So, you know, and it's funny, right? Because like you said, we've been having a hard time getting together, but as with the whole birth and postpartum time, like everything happens in the right time. So I'm really excited also that we're talking now. And it's very interesting because, you know, most people are very well versed with a birth plan. It's mm-hmm. something that's very prevalent, especially here in LA. But unfortunately, there's not the same consideration given to, well, now this baby is here and what do I do? Right. And it's, long since changed that notion that, oh, there's no manual and you just have to jump in and wing it. We know that that's not the case. And there's tons and tons of research to support that Mm -hmm. if parents and or parents to be know what to expect and prepare for it, that they can really ease that transition into parenthood. And that was really the thinking behind the afterbirth plan. So you have your birth plan and that's great. What's your afterbirth plan? Yes. And as much as possible, you know, people will sometimes come across the class and be like, oh, after I have the baby, I'm going to look you up. And I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) I want you looking me up while you're still pregnant. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, and I'll use the analogy all the time. We don't wait for the fire to be ranging to say, gosh, what's my fire drill plan? Or how are we going to exit this building? Mm -hmm. It's stuff that we have already ready to go. So that should a crisis hit, we're prepared. And more than preparing for a crisis, I want people to be prepared for what that normal transition looks like and how to help facilitate it being easier and inherently more enjoyable. That's awesome and fantastic. And I really wish that everybody could know that they could benefit from this and know that it's something that they potentially need. But like you were saying, there was this old idea that, you know, There is no manual and whatnot. And with that, there was also an idea that, well, you just figure it out and you do figure it out, but you're saying you don't have to figure everything out on your own in a vacuum that you can get tips and pointers and kind of see what's coming before it comes. Yeah, absolutely. And what I love what you said, because you hit upon something that I find comes up a lot, which is this notion that You know, some of the OBs that I work with will say, yes, when I identify a client who seems to be struggling, I'll hand her your card. Uh And I feel like we're missing the boat with that. You know, it's the kind of class that I want all parents to be doing. Mm -hmm. We don't want to isolate or pick out someone who seems to be struggling because you and I both know that postpartum comes in all shapes and sizes. Yeah. And why would we cripple anyone with not having that knowledge and that experience and that information at their disposal? Right. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP? 
was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. And it's really interesting because, you know, I feel like so often parents feel like, because you said, they'll figure it out. And yes, people do. And I feel like where there's a lot of resistance or what's a new idea sometimes is this notion that you don't have to take the hardest possible path. There's right. no blue ribbon at the end that says, <laughs> I did this. And right. I felt every ache and pain and I really sweated it out. There's nothing like that. And mm -hmm. so why not access the wisdom and the information and the research that's in existence that can maybe make that process a whole lot easier for you? How about that? <laughs> yes, yeah, right? let's do Why that. Not? Why not? It sounds great. And I love that you framed it and not that something's wrong, so you have to do this. I mean, there's a lot of prevention in there. There's a lot of just, hey, this could be helpful and not necessarily that you're going to have a hard time, but boy, this could make it a lot easier. For sure. Uh, and we're planning for normal. And interestingly enough, I've had a lot of couples who have taken the workshop because I really like to work with the couple, mm -hmm. right? People oftentimes, again, have that misnomer that if postpartum happens, that it's either the birthing partner's issue or it's mom's issue. And we know right. that it's not the case. It's a family concern. Mm -hmm. But I've had so many couples say that it's helped them years down the road because so much of what we focus on is the couple. How do we strengthen the couple so that they are more prepared for not only dealing with baby, but for normal life? So yeah, let's mm -hmm. destigmatize it. Let's remove that pathology. And sure, there is that prevention piece. And there is the piece where we go through what to expect with perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. But yes, we're planning for the normal. Mm -hmm. And then we're preparing for should the abnormal happen. All right. I have a curiosity around this. I have a couple of questions in terms of, and I'll ask them separately. First, I'll ask, what is couples postpartum preparation? What are you doing to help them? Sure. You know, so it's always interesting because I used to do a workshop that would span weeks and we would devote hours to it. And, you know, at the end of 12 hours, couples would leave. But it's really hard to get people to sign up at the get-go for 12 hours of prevention. Right, right. So we did away with that, right? In our busy days, no one was interested. Mm -hmm. And so what I've done is I've condensed the program to about a two and a half hour workshop. Nice. So people come one night with their partner. And there are three main parts to it. The first part is what are real expectations 
of what that transition to parenthood looks like. Mm -hmm. Not the myths, not the doom and gloom that people like to share of, oh, you'll never sleep again. But what can you really (laughs) expect with that transition? We've all Mm -hmm. been there. We've all Mm -hmm. heard it, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So the second part of the workshop is centered around this relationship escalator that I created. So in my mind, when I think about relationships, relationships are like walking up a down escalator. Uh (laughs) So if we think about it, right? Uh Think about it. If we're not actively investing in that relationship Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day and sometimes moment-to-moment basis, then life will naturally bring us down and bring us apart. So we know. Lovely. Yeah. Thank you. And I use that analogy. And what happens when we have that baby is that that escalator speeds up. Mm-hmm. And it requires us to really double and sometimes triple our efforts that we devote to the relationship so that it doesn't become a casualty of parenthood. Mm-hmm. And so I took it that next step to say, well, what are the things that help us climb that relationship and maintain a closeness and a connection with our partner? Mm-hmm. And what are the things that pull us down that relation, pull us down that escalator mm-hmm. and create that divisiveness and that distance that can oftentimes set in after we have a baby? Right. And then the third part of the workshop is, again, what is postpartum depression or what are perinatal mood and anxiety disorders mm-hmm. so that everyone can be informed and educated and on the same page. So should it happen, they all, you know, have this comfort of, I know what this is, right? Dr. Berlin talks about this and we know what to do. Right. So it doesn't have to be that experience of hitting from behind. Mm-hmm. And we can avoid a lot of quote-unquote well-meaning but misplaced support that oftentimes happens in relationships when it hasn't been identified yet that there's a disorder happening, Uh, right? Right? Those well-meaning people who say, just get over it. If you just Mm -hmm. hold the baby, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Like how to just, you know, from the beginning kind of do away with some of that. So that's really the structure of it. Oh, that's awesome. It sounds really rich. It sounds like a good exploration of what people are going to need going into postpartum. I think, you know, I have a question too around, well, how do you get people to know that this is something that they should be doing and something that they need to do? Because I so often hear people saying, well, we don't really, we'll be fine. We'll figure it out. We don't need that, that kind of stuff. And I think, wow, things could be so much easier if you just had a little bit of preparation. How do you talk to people about this and help them understand why even if they are doing fine, this could be beneficial to them. Absolutely. And Dr. Kat, when you figure that out, you let me know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm working on it. Because we're, and let's work on that together sure. because it's definitely an ongoing process. Uh-huh. What has been really helpful? You know, because a big part of it is destigmatizing the experience. Uh-huh. And so often people have that misconception, like we were talking about at the beginning, that oh, if I'm not struggling, I'm going to be fine. And not many people know that, you know, upwards of two thirds of couples do experience a decline in their relationship satisfaction after having a baby. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big believer that anything that more than 70% of the population is doing now has become the norm. Uh So it's not that there's something wrong with you, as people might fear, or there's something wrong with their relationship, but that it's a hard adjustment. And whenever we add a new person to the family, there's some pushing and shoving and bumps and bruises that's normal. Mm -hmm. And if we can destigmatize it, we can make it a lot more readily available. So what I've done to that end is I've really started to partner with a lot of obese because I feel like for the community to buy in, 
it needs to come from the doctors, that if the doctors are starting to share with their clients that mm -hmm. this is an important part of your prenatal care, well, now it's not there's something wrong with me and she's signaling me out, right. but it's, oh, if I'm going to be an informed individual and have comprehensive prenatal care, I need to think about postpartum. Yes. And what yes. I would really, <laughs> what I was going to say is, and again, this is where I would love that help, but I would really, really like to see happen. And whenever I work with clients, I'm like, go back to your OB and tell them. But I would love for it to catch on that we make like, let's say week 28 of pregnancy, postpartum check-in week. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see it truly be mainstream that at week 28, we all do something to prepare for postpartum. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, doctors don't ask clients for the most part, do you want to check and see if your blood sugar is high? It's just, we're going to check your blood sugar now. Exactly. And doctors don't say, hey, do you want to check the position of the baby? It's, and now it's time to check. Right. And if we can get doctors on board with, and now it's time to think about what's going to be when this baby is born, we really just alleviate a lot of that anxiety that people feel about, well, what does it mean about me if I do this? Mm -hmm. So that's my goal. That's okay, what I would I'm on board. Let's, let's do yeah, that. Okay, so that's all I need. Okay. <laughs> I love that because like you said, you're just putting it into the flow of things as a normal yeah. part and it should be a normal part. There's so much planning and preparation that goes into birth and fine. That's great. Awesome. But right, what you're doing is you're filling a major gap by helping the continuity of someone's experience so that they're getting the care they need throughout, planning ahead, preparing, right. just thinking through a couple of really essential things. And I think the, Thank you. yeah, it's great because let's say a couple does go through the afterbirth plan workshop and then they do run into some problems in the postpartum, but they have already been introduced to it as a possibility, like, oh, she said that this might happen, so this is what this is. Just like you were describing before, how much less stress they have, because so many moms now think, it's just me, what did I do wrong, or my partner isn't there for me, why don't they understand me, that kind of stuff. You're just taking out all of those factors before it even happens. For sure. If you think about what is probably the single most comforting thing that moms or couples get out of a mommy and me group, it's that normalizing, that feeling mm -hmm. of, oh, it's not just me, it's you mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And so like you said, for couples to be able to say, oh, Dr. Berlin talked about that, right? That's normal. That was to be expected. Mm -hmm. It does. It alleviates a lot of that concern. And I also find, you know, it's hard for any of us to seek help when we feel like we're at our lowest, when we don't right. feel like we're ourselves, and we don't want that to be someone's first impression of us. Right, right. And I find that people are much more readily willing to pick up that phone or pick up that phone a whole lot faster if we've met beforehand, because we already have that connection. And it alleviates all of those concerns. And now it's like, hey, remember when you talked about X? Mm -hmm. I think that might be happening. Can mm -hmm. we talk more about that? Mm -hmm. And it changes the experience in a really profound way. Wow. That's fantastic. Have you had any feedback from people who did have a perinatal mental health issue who talked about what their experiences was like after having gone through the group, the workshop? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Absolutely. Do you feel like you can speak to that? Yeah, I can. You know, you were talking about the idea of preparing for the birth, which is important but also giving some thought, not having that occupy all your brain cells and giving some thoughts to what happens after. 
and something that I think a lot of us use and definitely something that I will share with clients all the time is it's kind of the distinction of preparing for the wedding versus mm-hmm. thinking about the marriage mm-hmm. and really encouraging people to think about that also in this situation that however long and arduous that birth might be, it's still a finite moment, mm-hmm. right? It's a day or two, mm-hmm. but then let's not just focus on Labor Day, but really think about what that parenthood journey is like, because that's really the bigger journey or the bigger piece of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I really love that analogy of, you know, the wedding and then the marriage and the labor and then the life with a child, because it does, there's all this buildup for the day of, and you're really talking about giving attention to the whole process and how to more easily integrate when coming home. In particular, thinking of moms who are dealing with perinatal mental health challenges, whether they expected to or not, or are surprised by it or not, what have you heard? What have the feedback been for you from moms who ended up having a perinatal mental health challenge and also went through the afterbirth workshop? Right. So that's a great question. Thank you for asking. One thing that many couples have echoed was this notion that they felt comfortable reaching out for help a whole lot sooner than they thought they might have otherwise done. Mm -hmm. And that hearing about the information and being exposed to it made it a lot easier to pick up that phone and access help. And we know the earlier that, you know, mom or dad gets help, the faster that they do recover and can return to enjoying that sweet little baby of theirs. Mm -hmm. The other really big thing that I've heard is that there was a better matchup of the non-birthing partner or dad being able to offer the kind of help that mom needed, you know, and Dr. Kat, you'll tell me what your experience is, but my experience has been for the most part, right? And I'm not saying that this is for everyone, Mm -hmm. but that for a lot of men, I found that when it comes to, you know, perinatal, that men make really great soldiers in the sense that they may not be sure what needs to be done, Mm -hmm. but if someone could tell them and give them that direction, they're so happy to do it. Right. Yeah, I would agree. And And that's been really helpful because so often as women, we feel like, well, they should know what to do right? Mm -hmm. They just had a baby also. Why aren't they jumping in and helping me? And many men will say, well, gosh, I'm helping her so much, but she's just not appreciating anything that I'm doing. Because Mm -hmm. there's often this mismatch between what mom is needing and what dad is thinking might be helpful. But if we sometimes think about that men make really good soldiers, well, then women are a lot more likely to be able to offer them those directives, knowing that dad is wanting to help, but is just needing Mm -hmm. some guidance there. Right. Um, Yeah, I think that's a great way to think about it. I do see that a lot in terms of, well, I feel like I'm helping, but then she tells me that I'm not doing it right or that I need to do a different way. And then I feel like, okay, well, then I'm just not going to do it. Or, you know, just kind of feeling lost. Some guys have never been around babies or and some partners have never been around babies and don't know what to do and prefer to have some kind of direction. I think where it gets really challenging is sometimes when there are like deeper rooted, maybe cultural issues or really kind of traditional male, female role type things where I think that having an afterbirth workshop would help people who are kind of in the more traditional gender role type of a situation help to see how they could be helpful or 
why a kind of breaking from tradition could be useful here, that kind of stuff. Because sometimes I try and say to the moms, let's say in my group, like, hey, have your partner come in or there's this class for them. And there's sort of a pushback from the partner who's like, well, I don't want anybody to tell me how to raise my child. And, you know, that's like stuff that you're supposed to do. And so I think a little bit of information, maybe I'll say it that way, a little bit of information on how and why it could be helpful both to the partner to be teaming up in a different kind of way could actually help them to reduce the stress in the house? Absolutely. And, you know, the piece that I didn't mention, which might be prudent, is that I've created an actual afterbirth plan. So at the end of the workshop, you know, couples, whether traditional or not traditional, do get an actual document, which is their afterbirth plan, that they then get to fill out. And what's really nice about it and I encourage the couples to do it, you know, should do it during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. What's really nice about it is that it's a time to start to think through what they may need and to really have some of those conversations mm. around culture and diversity and, you know, the family that I grew up with and what I want to do for our baby and the family you grew up with. Mm. And to start to think through some of these things in a way that right. feels super helpful because it is challenging. And like you said, You know, even if two people grow up down the street from each other and went to the same place of worship and went to the same school of all their life, every relationship is a cross-cultural experience Mm -hmm. because our own family has a culture of how we do things. Right. And sometimes we don't even realize the expectations we're coming in with (laughs) that we want for our babies. (laughs) Right. And and I feel like that's when we get in the most trouble. It was like, oh, wait, you wanted to do X? Like, that was never on my radar. Totally. Um, Yes. Yeah. So let's start having those conversations before baby is here mm-hmm. when tensions are low, people mm-hmm. are hopefully sleeping a little bit better than what might happen <laughs> after, right. right? And it's right. a good starting point. And we know things will change a thousand times over after that baby is really here, right? but it's a place to start. And yeah, I feel like when we're in that place and our partner knows that we're trying to work on it and be sensitive we're given a lot more latitude, even if we get it wrong. Right, exactly. Because otherwise it can really fall into this kind of competition while well, I'm doing this and you're doing that or yes. that kind of thing. And that just makes everything feel so much worse. Yeah, 100%. So right. So just how you were saying that sometimes people will expect because they are sort of have similar upbringings that they're going to raise their kids in similar ways. That is such a good point because just in terms of the competition, avoiding the competition, well, I want to do it this way, or you want to do it that way, or I'm doing more than you. I mean, you're really talking about naming that stuff on some level, but in a really supportive way, let's call this out and see what it is and then come to a different agreement because who can really have that discussion when you're tired, when you're sleep deprived and just trying to figure out how to like, you know, change a diaper or whatever. Yeah. Work that stuff out before. Yeah. That's great. For sure. And you're really hitting upon because I knew that you and I were very aligned already, but you're hitting upon a lot of the things that I have in that relationship escalator. So I usually refer to it as the daily diaper tally right? Something that really brings us apart where we get into this place that we think that we're being that quote unquote team. Uh But if you think about an actual team, teams don't keep score of what members do on the field, right? So I'm a little sports challenged, but when you're on the (laughs) baseball field, right? Uh When you're in the field, no one's going to not catch a ball that's coming their way because they caught the ball right before. So it's someone else's turn. Oh my gosh. I love this. Yes. 
hundred percent. But when it comes to the diapers, it's like, I've done three. It's your turn. I'm not touching another diaper until you've done your three. <laughs> mm-hmm. And again, you look at that analogy of that person who steps away from that ball and you're like, no, that doesn't work. That doesn't happen. That's not being a team. Right. Right. And so it's helping people, like you said, kind of see through the, you know, no, we're a team, but if you're keeping that daily diaper tally, you've missed the point of the team. And we want to re-examine that. Right. Huh. <sighs> That's so lovely. I really like how you put things into very easy to conceptualize ways because, right, I mean, once you give the the analogy, it makes perfect sense. Like, okay, maybe we need to change bases right now, but we're still on the same team. <laughs> but, and yeah, that's so usable. And I think that's what people need is really down to earth, simple, usable ways to think through these kind of complicated emotional life changes that are happening. For sure. And Dr. Kat, I'm totally going to borrow that. But um, (laughs) yes, and that's the premise of the workshop, right? And I'll start with the workshop and I'll say, there's nothing here that's rocket science. And if anything, we do a whole lot better by going back to basics Mm -hmm. and recognizing that for the stability and the connection within a relationship, we need to take the time to slow down and to talk and make sure we don't lose sight of this priority. Long before baby was ever a thought, usually, Mm -hmm. it was just the two partners. And we don't want to lose sight of that hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And it's important. Right. So 100%, just, just, you know, going back to some of those basics, really simplifying. So thank you. Thank you for that. I do. I try to use analogies that people can really conceptualize and relate to. Mm -hmm. And what I love about and why I use an escalator in particular is that if you think about it, taking steps up an escalator, they're just steps. Mm-hmm. They're not big, giant leaps. Right. Most of us feel like, sure, I could take a step. And mm-hmm. that people, I want people to really recognize that small steps in the right direction can lead to some pretty massive payoff. Mm-hmm. So it's not big. Mm-hmm. It's not daunting. It is so doable mm-hmm. if we just slow down and educate ourselves, like you were saying, or inform ourselves. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that sounds totally approachable <laughs> and like a great Yay. idea. <laughs> A great idea. Thank you. Yeah. You're yes. awesome. Oh, you're awesome. <laughs> Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Well, so in terms of feedback, what have you heard from people who've been through the afterbirth plan workshop and how it's helped them in general? So some of the biggest feedback that I've gotten have been that couples feel like they're able to really be that team, right? Not get stuck down that daily diaper tally kind of vibe, but really feel like they were able to approach parenthood from that collective team perspective and that it really facilitated their capacity to not get stuck in the bumps, Mm -hmm. but really enjoy the experience that they felt more prepared to know how to support each other as well as to take time and permission to take care of themselves. So although we didn't talk about it, you know, so self-care is something that I really promote and self-care is something that we want to do from the get-go. It's not something that we do when things get hectic. Right. And it's helping people to give themselves permission that by taking care of themselves, they're really not only helping themselves, but they're helping the whole family unit. Mm. So it's not a guilty pleasure. It's right. not them being selfish. Right. It's self-care. And there's a distinction. And I feel like, and, and this could be another whole podcast, I'm sure, but especially within our society, I find women in particular have a really hard time with this idea of self-care. Mm-hmm. And very quickly it crosses over into, no, but I'm being selfish, but I should want to be with the baby all the time. I shouldn't need to take care of me. Mm. And, you know, once you're enjoying my analogies, I'll throw one last one in there. Yes. Where we all use, right? We all use the airplane that mm-hmm. you need to put your air mask on first. before you can take care of other people. And I'll usually take it one step farther and I'll say, you know, so I have four kids, right? And I would never sit down at my kitchen table with my four kids watching and say, hi guys, I see that you're all hungry, but you know what? So is mommy. So as soon as mommy's done eating, well, then I'll feed you, right? We would never do that. Mm -hmm. Yes, to a certain degree, maybe I should, right? Right, Because if I'm coming to that table hungry and ragged and in a terrible mood, because I haven't taken care of myself, right. what am I really going to offer them? Like, let's be honest, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm going to be snippy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So we really do need to care for ourselves first. Yeah. And so one of the best things that I hear from people after they've taken the workshop is they will share with me with such pride that they're taking care of themselves and they've created a ritual around what they do for themselves and how impactful it's been to be able to then jump back into the family unit. So that's one of the nicest ones that I hear. That's fantastic. And it's true for mom and dad. I don't want dads to think that they're being left out. They need that same self-care as mom does. So, you know, equal opportunity here. Right, right. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I appreciate you bringing that in there too. I mean, the, the, yes, the self-care being equated with selfishness is sort of rampant. And uh, I love that you were addressing it head on and giving people permission, I guess, to, if you want to call it that, to, that they should be doing the self-care. But even yeah. more importantly, I, they're, yes, partners, dads, that they need their own self-care. And it, I think because it, a lot of attention goes to baby and, and birthing mom, they can be left out sometimes. And that in and of itself can impact the relationship too. So I yeah. really love that you emphasize that both partners need 
their own time. That's just awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Berlin, for coming on with us and sharing the work that you're doing and how you're helping couples and families through this transition into parenthood. Oh, you are so sweet. It was truly my pleasure. It's such a wonderful podcast that you have and such a service that you're offering to families everywhere. So thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. And I really, I'm looking forward to hearing future podcasts and just staying connected. Okay. So now we know that really planning for birth and planning for postpartum, planning for that transition to parenthood is very important. And it's really something that we too often overlook. So I'm glad to get you guys some more information about why it's important and the things that you could look forward to if you find this type of support near you. Please join us at momandmind.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or if you'd like to come into our Facebook group at Mom and Mind Connection, we'd love to have you there where we can deepen our discussions of what we talk about here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Mom and Mind. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.